Hello, and welcome back to another show of Network to Code on Network Collective. In this episode, we're going to talk about data and source of truth in a networking context. We had a show a few months back that brought up both source of truth and netbox. This, this continues to be one of the hottest topics in network automation, but it's still a very under, underserved market. It doesn't get enough attention. For now, I'm joined by a friend and colleague we get to work with on a daily basis and someone who's no stranger to the show. Welcome to Damien Garros. Thanks, Jason. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to this. So Damien, for those who don't know Damien, Damien is a, is a master of many things. He's a master of data, master of network automation. I can't even keep with, with Damien. You know, Damien just goes uh, you know, goes super quick with, with everything he, he does. So, but. The, the main reason for the show is, you know, Damien and several others with the Network to Code have been working on several open source projects that have source of truth and data in mind, all around, you know, working with different open source projects, how to consume data more efficiently, and, and really help provide the foundation for network automation solutions. But before we dive into those projects, I do want to bring it back to the basics. And so, you know, we come back to the to the question around source of truth, and and what is it? That's where I want to start start this show. So I guess you know to you, Damien, how, how would you define source of truth specifically in that networking context? Very good question. Um, uh, the simple answer will be for me: it's the wherever you have and you define how the network should looks like, which you know marketing will say it's the intent state of the network, uh, the intent database. That's the the way I usually explain is you should be able to regenerate all the configuration of your network from your source of truth at any point of time. If you completely lost the network without configuration backup, for me, just with the, everything that is in the source of truth, and that includes a lot of different information, you should be able to rebuild your full configuration, redeploy them, and run your network. And when you start thinking about that, then you start having you know, an idea of what's in there. You have the configuration templates, you have all the information about the topology, the devices, the IP address, the policy, the, all, all the different elements, again, that you can find in your configuration. And actually more, because there's a ton of information that also need in your source of truth that will be more, you know, that will represent the, the architecture of the network, things that you might not even find in your configurations, like what are the role of those devices? Are they expected to be connected? What you know version of the the design they are actually expected to run? And some you know additional things that are usually in in wikis or in the mind of the network engineers. Uh, for me, that's the source of truth. All of that. Yeah, I think the part that I you know keyed off on, and then I've had many conversations with too over the years, is around having the right data to regenerate a configuration from and ideally be able to trust that more than maybe a backup of a configuration because like that's what you were defining the intended state to be but from from what, what I continue to see in in the market too like there are tools out there that that do things like SNMP discoveries and still call themselves the source of source of truth, and do you think that's just a, a and the nature of where we've been for the past 15, 20 years, and and tools that have have done discovery might state what the data they have is the truth, even though it's it's maybe what's represented as the current state versus what what should be. I think there's just like a disconnect around messaging there based on you know some tooling in the market. There's definitely a lot of confusion on the market on on all of that, and you know there's 
all sort of positions and they're like super religious, like, hey, the source of truth should only be touched by human. And, you know, there's the other side that say, since the network is the source of truth, then whatever I extract from the network uh, is the source of truth. And in, in many ways, that's, that's true. Um, I think the challenge today, and that's what we're trying to solve with our customers is, how do you go from one to the other? Because technically they're both right. If you're in a systems where you know you have a central source of truth, then yes, it should be you know only uh, touched by human. You should you know be very careful. You should not import massively from the network. But the reality is, for most people, the network is the source of truth today. So how do you go from you know where we are to where we want to be? And this transition period is like replacing the engine while you're still flying the plane is is definitely you know full of uh, of challenges. And um, referring to the tool that you mentioned earlier, that that's you know. For us, the use case we're going after, trying to help our customers to move from the old mindset to you know uh, the new network automation architectures that has a source of truth and and use that to deploy to the network. But it's a it's a journey for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Again, I was going to state that that same line you just said is is the the only you know the only you know real truth in most environments today you know, is is the network itself. Right. If you want to verify what something, you know, is or should be, people are looking at a show config or a, you know, or a show run. That's that's the biggest thing that we need to change to be able to regenerate configuration from, you know, from uh, some type of data source. So from what you're seeing out there today, you know, what are the most common sources of truth that that exist? And it could be from getting started to advance. But, you know, what are the most common, you know, common ones you're, you're seeing out there? Um, so the first one comes to mind is I think Netbox, uh, you know, open source project, you're very close to Network to Code that started as an IPAM and DCIM and really evolved as a as a source of truth for a network. It's it's incredible, you know, the, the traction is getting right now. We're using it with a lot of customer. Um, the second one will be um, your own uh, Git Git repository. A lot of people are still using Git. To uh, as their source of truth, storing their their data in form of a YAML file, and then having their own automation engine working on top of that. Uh, that has also a lot of benefits. Uh, you can leverage all the power of you know the the review process and having pull requests and having a lot of stages, uh, a lot of changes sorry staged at the same time, and that can be you know have their own life cycle so that there's a, a lot of power from git so definitely second one the other we hear um from time to times are uh service now a lot of uh, people are uh you know at least having some information stored and synchronized with service now uh device 42 at least for the uh, inventory side um i'll say that's the the one that come up the most often what do you think in, ter- in terms of what what we're seeing too, just based on being network automation centric? Like, do you think fa- phase one oftentimes is some sort of file based intent, if we want to call it that, in YAML file or JSON files and, and versioning them in Git? Is that where you're typically you know seeing people get started? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So when we when we look at these, and, and you alluded to this briefly, when when you're leveraging you know version control systems, you know you know be it you know GitHub or, or Bitbucket, you have you have data that's often stored in these files, and you can open a pull request and have have reviews. That's that's great, and you know it, it does require you know, newer skills to be able to even leverage leverage Git. And then there's often that that you know subtle difference or maybe added benefit to be able to have you know, we'll say UI driven 
databases that also have have APIs. So what, what have you what have you seen with you know you know people on their journey to be able to pick and choose, you know, sh you know, should I put this data in a YAML file? Should I put this data in NetBox or Social Truth? What have you, you know, what have you seen there? So first, maybe let, let me step back while you were, you know, I realize I kind of maybe oversimplified what we're seeing. The, the first thing that we're seeing is that a source of truth is usually not a single system. I think it's really uh, something we, we truly believe at Noctocode is the, the source of truth is usually composed of multiple systems, like usually the IPAM is a central part of the source of truth. And in there, we're seeing a lot of uh, info blocks, for example, or the system. And then there's also the, if you're not using, for example, NetBox for DCIM, then you can have other DCIM products. So it's really a, a collection of um, of storage and, and database that, that work together. Um, and then, um, then yeah, uh, what people are are, are choosing uh, usually it's really depend on you know what's already deployed in their environment, uh, or what type of workflow they want to have to also uh, make those change. I think the the thing I'm personally thinking about all the time and the discussions we have with our customers what makes a good source of truth? What do you expect from your source of truth? And when you look at it, we define it as that's where you store the data. You should be able to redefine the, the configuration. But how do you compare two, source, two sources of truth or two systems that store those data? And when you look at it, there's really, you know, it should be really good at, at storing data, providing traceability, potentially having full history and potentially even going uh, to rollback on where you were in the past, provide ways to have multiple changes being, uh, you know, reviewed, controlled to understand what is going to change, having like a, a workflow process and then being able to have an anatomic change where multiple changes will actually go into effect at the same time and not have inconsistency in between. And the last two, I think, are, are really, so all of that, when, when we talk about that, that's what Git is really good at. We're fantastic at that, uh, you know, through the, the branches and the, and the pull requests. Now, Two other uh, parameters that are really important for source of truth is how easy is it to actually access the data and what capabilities do you have to capture the relationship between the objects, which are really important because as we look at the source of truth, what's make a good source of truth for us is this ability to understand that an interface is, you know, attached to, uh, an, uh, sorry, an IP address is attached to an interface. And if you are, if you are able to store all the IP on one side and only interface on the other side, but you have no way to capture this relationship, that you know that's a really really big uh, limitation. So being able to capture the relationship and being able to consume this data, query this data, and access it are you know super important properties of the source of truth. And that's where Git is sometimes you know uh, falling short. You can still store a ton of data, but it's not a database. So that's where when those attributes are more important. We definitely see people looking at NetBox, for example, or other systems that have an API, that have relational models, that have the database, the query engine, uh, and the API. So, you know, agreed with a lot of that. You know, ease of access, you know, is there within, you know, platforms like CMDBs and platforms like NetBox and and ease of access isn't there with, with Git version files, but it has, you know, some of the benefit or a lot of the benefit of, of peer review and, and and merging data into a into repo. And again, I know I know some of the work that, that you've done. So as I as I you know, talk to you about this, you know, bring up some of these questions, but you know, can you talk through a situation 
maybe a scenario or design, maybe, maybe you've done it, maybe you haven't, that integrates these two together around, you know, what, what if, you know, what if an environment actually really needs that, that peer review process to be able to leverage data in a repo, but you know, could that be integrated to be able to dynamically push data upon approval into a, into a CMDB or a platform like Netbox? Yes, yeah. Some of the project, uh, multiple projects we have going on right now where we're trying to build this hybrid system where some of the data, like what I like to call the uh, um, the foundation of the data, like for example, if you think of an IP fabric, that will be like you know, all the uh, connection between the internal of the fabric or the underlay. All of that, you know, could be defined in, in Git and have a process so that every time you actually make change into this, this repository, then the change will be automatically synchronized with the, a remote system like uh, Netbox, where it will be stored in a way that make it easier to consume because it will be behind APIs, it will be behind a UI potentially. And so people will have a, a better interface to actually consume those data, but all the changes will still be um, coming from the Git repo. The benefit is since we have a, a full Git repository, we can have validation that are done before we actually merge those change. So we can validate that, you know, for example, uh, the data and not just one piece, but the whole complete data set is actually valid from, you know, a technical standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. So that's that's definitely possible. Uh, one of the tools you mentioned earlier that uh, we've been working on is this library called DiffSync that uh, was kind of built for that, having this ability to manage two different data sets and what's hugely challenging when we go into this route is understand before you make the change, what you will change, like having this dry run capability and then having the ability to uh, actually make the change in an impotent way and, and make sure that the current state, the complete state of one system now is, is in, in sync with the second system. So we create this library, uh, DeepSync, maybe we'll, I don't know if you want to talk about it now, we can talk about it later, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, um, an important problem that we're trying to solve. Uh, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll come back to to DiffSync in uh, in, in a few minutes. But um, you just to reiterate too. You know what you said is you know, the, the power of the integrated system. When you have <clears throat> Git version YAML files, you can have any you know the schema that you require, right? Technically and for business logic, you can you can do things like ensure this VLAN is never removed or modified and so forth and and you know, that would fail in your ci test so that way it would never be merged if it's not merged then there would be no no direct add or automated process to add to your network source of truth or, or network cmdb is that is that what is that what you were saying cool and so so right now i'm gonna make the topic around inventory management or kind of you know, maybe hone in there because like that, that's a component of source of truth. There's been a lot of work done around inventory management with the projects that, you know, that we've done. And sometimes inventory seems, seems so simple, right? You have hundred devices, 10,000 devices in your environment, however big it is. And, you know, right now, maybe, maybe, you know, that inventory is in your SNMP monitoring tool and maybe it's in spreadsheets and, but eventually it finds its way into a, a intended source of truth of, of the devices, you know, that are in the environment. So I'm curious to get your take around, you know, how, how you think about inventory management of being more than just a device and a management IP address. You know, how do you just think about proper inventory management to better lay the foundation for, Network automation. 
Yes, uh, indeed, it's very, um, I think I was in, um, yeah, last year when we had this uh, presentation in Torquefield, we presented that as it's, a, it's really the, the inventory is the first step. You, you need the inventory to be able to automate. Uh, and as part of this inventory, you need to have few things, right? You need the name of the device, you need the IP, but you also, I'll say almost most importantly, need the, the platform. Some information again. What driver are you supposed to use to uh, to talk to those devices? And that's where it gets complicated. And then, when you start building workflow, you also need a lot of additional information. Like, you definitely want to have information about what is the site uh, or the, this group of device. Where is this device? What is this role? Uh, and, and different information into the lifecycle. So, getting all those information uh, is definitely uh, super important in, uh, in the beginning of the project. But is it safe to say for inventory management in terms of you know doing a you know a survey again you know geographical location sites buildings devices you know vendor you know all those things are fairly common but in order like if you are preparing to do network automation like start to think about every which way you might want to automate the inventory if it's based on platform or device type and model and, and, you know, a host of other, you know, maybe even, you know, higher level business context of, of how things are grouped, you know, how important is it to kind of understand those logical groupings with an inventory and source of truth to be able to actually start leveraging automation after the data is, is defined. Yeah, no, it is. It is uh, very important. What we're finding more and more is, for example, we're again, I mentioned we're using a lot of Netbox um, and realize that the way you create the, you create the device in Netbox is specifically not the simple one, but the, the most complex one. Like, let's say you have a, a stack of device. You want this stack to be properly represented uh, almost from the beginning because they will let you track the difference in numbers properly, but it's also very important when you start, for example, uh, capturing the, the cabling. If you want to have the cabling, you need to have a pretty good representation on how the physical uh, the physical representation of the device, the interfaces and all that. So when you start looking at that, creating, for example, and representing stacks in Netbox is you have a lot of flexibility, but it's also a lot of work and it's, it's very complicated. So that's why we started looking at how could we uh, simplify the, um, the creation of this inventory and that's what we call this, uh, we created this plugin for Netbox called the uh, onboarding plugin. And the idea was really... Stealing my thunder, you know, you keep stealing my thunder of the projects. That's where I was going next. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll pause there, but like the big elephant in the room in general is is around data population of source of truth, right? Now, no matter how small the environment, how large the environment, like there, there's the process of what what, it, what is the right way you know what are the ways that we need to employ to get to get data to get data in there so i guess we can maybe just you know attack it you know more broadly and i think we'll we'll get to we'll get to the to the um, onboarding plugin but but in general you know what are your thoughts around just getting getting data into the source of truth like meaning should it be done manually automated you know general thoughts on that well i, I think uh, you know automated Automated imports always beat manual imports. Like manual imports, by definitions, will have mistakes. Human makes mistakes all the time. So uh, every time, you know, if we can, if it's not too complicated to actually get a, a clean set of data, and if we can automate with a, a reasonable effort, we'll always take the uh, automated imports. That will be controlled by humans or defined by humans. We're not talking about, you know, just doing a an automatic discovery of all the network in the device and import, you know, uh, 
all the devices in the network and import everything we find because that wouldn't be um, then yeah we'll definitely import a lot of junk but if we say for example that you know this list of IPs are valid devices then we can start working on an automated process to get those devices and some of their best information and then start building on top of that but you know automated over manual yeah, every day yeah no, no doubt for what we do as, as as a business we would need we would need to have you know a dedicated team of people that are just manually onboarding if it, if it was if it was done manually versus you know building you know building some tooling to optimize the process and, and I, you know really take it probably from years years down to maybe even you know days or weeks yeah it's it's actually interesting this is probably another topic but we found ourselves now doing a lot of uh, having a lot of project and a lot of uh, putting a lot of efforts to actually clean up the data after the imports because assuming you have a set of data that might be into spreadsheet that might be anywhere you know we'll always try to import it with you know as much automation as we can but then Sometimes it's hard to get it perfect the first time. So we always prefer to at least have it into the source of truth. And then we're usually in a better place there to start having, you know, analysis of how good is this data? What gap do we still have? What do we still need to miss? Like one that comes, you know, over and over is customers want to have their circuits into Netbox. And circuits are really good if you have them, you know, a lot of information on where they are connected and all of that. So we end up building a lot of reports and a lot of, tooling uh, to be able to give them this visibility into we imported thousands of circuits how many of them are really in a good state how many do we still need to fix and, and do all of this process that is uh that takes a, a lot of time but uh, yeah and even within even with platforms like netbox right there are there's a feature called uh custom reports which so hypothetically if, if you if you did automatically populate data you could write some custom reports within the platform itself to be able to give you the green amber red status around how you know what is the hygiene of your data that you just automatically populated into uh to netbox yeah and uh, we actually created a, an extension uh, that is public uh, that will let you get those data into your monitoring system or your your dashboard system so the idea is if you actually build those reports that say how many of your circuits are clean how many are not clean then now you can have a an historical view over a month or over a quarter on how the trend is is going like are you properly making progress in cleaning up your device or are your tool still getting stuck and, and not making progress so yeah i forgot about that one that's actually number four for the show i haven't even gotten to the first one yet but another another extension or plugin that when you run a report in netbox it exposes prometheus metrics so you can you know scrape them and graph graph the status of your of your data hygiene and whatever else you're running in, within custom custom scripts within maybe grafana yeah that's one of yeah. them because it's actually you could actually expose pretty much any metrics that you want to that. Uh, we probably should have done a, a better job explaining it and writing blog posts. But you know, one of the use cases I hear all the time is people would want to have uh, uh, statistical information about um, their uh, utilization of the rack or the utilization of a given IP prefix, and be able to see that again the evolution over time to be able to predict, do some capacity planning on those you know very important resources. So. With this extension, you could actually also extract those information with uh, a little bit of code on uh, on your side and ex extract anything you want from the database to integrate with your monitoring system. 
Cool. So we'll start in reverse order in terms of the software that you know, Network Dakota, you know, and you, you know, you and and many many others have worked on in the past few months. But you know, one we just talked about around exposing metrics to be able to be consumed right from platforms like Netbox or or, or from Netbox into Prometheus and Grafana. But if we kind of went when that's kind of going bottoms up. If we go top down around getting data back in, I guess you alluded to it already. The onboarding, the onboarding plugin. Trying to maybe you know talk through. You know what what that is, and and if you were to start using the onboarding plugin, what data does that help you get into Netbox initially? Yes, so um, so the onboarding plugin uh, is an extension for Netbox. The goal is really to help you create your inventory and get the the things that we discussed earlier, right? Having you know the right device, the right type, the right device type, the right role, the right uh, IP addresses and platform, and and even more. So. Uh, the idea is something that you, you where you will be able to give it uh, just an IP address, if you want to an IP address and a site, and then it will connect to those devices and automatically using NetMiko and Napalm discover what is the type of this device, where it has, and then automatically uh, create this device into Netbox and associate that with the proper site. So the the version we have out there is is a good starting point. Uh, we have actually done built in. We have a way to extend that, and it's uh, what we've done with customers. Like some of our most advanced customers, we're able to give them the IP of a cluster firewall, and it will automatically, you know, detect the role of the device from the host name, and it will automatically understand that you have two devices, and it will create two devices in Netbox, in Portia, the sale numbers, and get them, you know, 100% right. Uh, we're doing that, for example, for. Um, uh, access point and access point controller with Cisco with WRC, like we give the name of the access point, the IP, and you automatically find the access point and all the, um, you will find, sorry, the controller and all the access point uh, attached to it and create them in Netbox, each as individual device. And so the, the use cases can be, you know, uh, very interesting and really helps to build this inventory and build this, um, uh, this in some ways, some asset management because we also get like, uh, Style numbers and all those information that now are accurate uh, in Netbox. Cool. So onboarding plugin. Where does you know, this is going to be a good segue into the into Network Importer, which is which is fairly fairly new. And and so you know we agreed. I can I can tease Damien you know a little bit on Network Importer. But da Damien actually announced Network Importer at Networking Field Day in late 2019 and you know there's been a lot of work that went into it to be able to open source network importer which it you know, takes it to the next level because onboarding plugin is going to get you you know some metadata about the device but you start thinking about interfaces and vlans and maybe bgp configuration and, and everything else in a, in a config how do we you know how do we onboard that data into a source of truth and so you know, i think this is where you know network importer comes in so maybe damien you want to you know give you know give the high level of, of network importer and, and maybe even the backstory of of uh you know why did it take so long to open source it <laughs> yes yes that's fair deserve the fun um so the the story i think it's back to the use case we discussed earlier we have those customers, they have their existing network. It is currently a source of truth and they want to be able to migrate that into uh, uh, a system like Netbox or you know, a collection of system uh, centrally. And to be able to, to do that, um, so it's, it's actually a very complicated problem because you know, when you look at D0, you actually want to import pretty much everything in bulk. And you want to be able to have massive imports and just that, 
you know, present its own set of challenges because we can talk about it, but how do you actually understand all the different aspects of the configuration? So that's that was one problem to solve. But the, the next problem is now you start having some information in your source of truth. And now you want to start, you know, uh, doing some uh, curating your data. You want to start cleaning some of the things up and you want to start um, uh, really making it looks like you want it to be. And now you have those two systems that you need to keep in sync. Technically, your, system, your network is still the real source of truth, but you are building what you hope to be your, your future source of truth, your real source of truth. And for some time, you need to keep you know, synchronizing them and, and being very careful and actually what you will import and not. And so we really wanted to build this tool that will give you this visibility into what is the drift between a central source of truth and your network or with your you know existing source of truth we could say in two different systems and and that's really where we with where we start with the network importer so to solve the first problem that i mentioned like import everything we decided to bet on on batfish you know batfish there's actually not a lot of like napalm is out there and provide some standard data model for some objects on the, on the network devices but there's a ton of information that are not captured by napalm because it's really focusing on on IP and BGP. So, you know, we, we looked at Batfish and Batfish was actually um, a really interesting tool. It has a lot of capability in modeling the network. The part that for this use case we wanted to use was the ability to actually use their parser that will generate uh, a standard model for the network and for, you know, like the five main, you know, vendors and OSs, they're able to generate and capture all the interface and the lags and, you know, all the VLAN information. But more than that, they have like, all the BGP peers, OSPF peers, and the main routing protocol. So it's, we, we, you know, from our point of view, that was really a, a really good starting point. So we, we build this engine based on Batfish that will ingest all the configuration, normalize them, uh, parse everything. And then we wanted to get that into Netbox. So initially we started uh, writing this, uh, this system, but we really wanted to have this, this ability to do a, a dry run or check show me the difference between those two systems and i think we had that from the early days now back to your questions why it took so long uh and i think it's really back to the idea that what we learned as we were working with uh, our customers that everybody wants to do what i describe but when we sit down everybody wants to do it differently and realized that it was very important to have a system and to, to have a system that will be easy to extend and where we could, you know, had each, each customer, each users should be able to really extend it on the edges to capture their own use cases, to do things, you know, their own way. Like, uh, um, for example, some of our, our customers, um, they wanted to capture um, an information that is only specific to them. In this case, they wanted to capture the aggregate prefixes they have on all of their uh, campus sites. And that's something that you know, is very valid for them. There's no way to argue that they shouldn't do that, but that's not a feature we could put in the core of, of those solutions because that will, that will just be uh, you know, very hard to maintain over time. So really what took a lot of time to actually find the raw architectures, to have something that is, you know, um, give a good baseline, let you import, you know, the interface, the IP address, what most people would want to have, but have enough extensibility so that everybody can also capture their own uh, use cases. And and it's been a yeah, a nine months to a year journey to to find that. 
and that's where you know in the process where we um, actually ended up developing this this library called DiffSync, we quickly touched on it. So Network Importer today is using itself this internally this library to let us do this these comparisons of two data sets, let us do the the diff and the sync right. and provide this extensibility. So yeah, so it looks like in Network Importer itself, right, is kind of, you know, it's, it's the overall solution that's gonna allow us to ingest configurations and populate uh, sources of truth, and you know, in, in this in this use case, even taking one step back, you mentioned you know things like Batfish, and you know, we'll give a shout out to Batfish. You know, we're very friendly with the the team over there, and you know, they have a very robust solution that could help do you know automated testing, reachability testing from config files, and and so what you're saying, you know, we're using Batfish to be able to just read in config files to build a uniform model that we can use to populate. You know, really any you know any source of uh, source of truth, and so so right now I guess in theory just to you know I don't know if you said it or not but this is an offline process too right so like the only requirement to really do this is to have have config files in it in a dedicated directory or a repo or whatnot meaning to use network importer you actually don't need to connect to a device from the importer, right? It's just it's just a matter of establishing offline config files, and then in doing that, then you can pick and choose, you know, how you want to populate your data sources. So you can do both. So you can work just from the configuration. You'll be able to import a, a lot of things. There's few things that Belfish doesn't provide, like for example, for the cabling, uh, we had to, you know, build a mechanism to actually reach out to the device and collect LLDP or CDP information. So there is a way in the framework and today there's few information that we collect directly from the network um but yeah you're, you're right that just with the configuration you should be able to have like 80 percent of the of the features already okay great and so the last library that you mentioned too was diffsync so this is another library that's recently open sourced you know from network to code that Network Importer is using, and so you know, DiffSync is also a standalone library, standalone project that can be used external to Network Importer. For you know, what do you think the common use cases there are going to be around? Around, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you yeah, answer. Yeah, no, so um, yeah, very in some way, generic platform to help you compare and synchronize two different data sets. And in my experience, it's uh, you know writing a, a script and making a change on a remote system is is easy. Now, if you want to, the next level of complexity will be to make your script idempotent, so that you only make the change if you have to make them. Understand the state of the, the remote system, and then the next level is actually if you want to build something with a dry run mode, something where you say, hey, don't make the change, but show me exactly what will change if I do that. And that's something I've seen in in so many use cases, like you mentioned earlier, for example, synchronizing a, a Git repo with you know um, a source of truth. I, I need to do that. I want to see those diff and I want to have this dry run. Uh, Ansible modules, you know, all the time. Uh, that's one of the features personally I like the most with Ansible is this ability to get a, a diff and, and a dry run from the modules before they run. Um, I think in in our domain, it's synchronizing two data source is some two data set is something we do all the time. We always have this need to take, for example, we have customers they want to synchronize their source of truth with or their inventory with the service now, but they also want to do that in a control manner. They want to understand what they will change. They don't necessarily want to uh, import all the junk. So 
Um, yeah, really uh, a lot of use cases I think can, can be covered with that. And so that's why we created this, this library that um, is, is defined in Python and will let you um, create adapters uh, and then you will have the ability to actually synchronize those adapters and, and have two systems that don't know anything about each other and that will be able to uh, create those diff and, and those things. It's a little bit more uh, complex than that, but um, yeah. Yeah, so I think I like the concept in general, you know, going back to Puppet and Chef and Ansible, like the notion of item potency to, you know, be well, item potency and being able to see, you know, what would change, right, in, in dry run mode has really changed the game. And I think in general, it should be a feature that, Every platform supports just to be able to to you know quickly quickly view a diff and 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 perform a sanity check on on network changes. But um, so just to kind of recap, a lot of those software kind of going top down because I think you know we you know mentioned a lot of them and you know some faster than others. But when we look at like the solution set that exists, it's all open source already. You know things like the onboarding plugin. In, into netbox to get you know, metadata about a device and then to take take it to the next level network importer exists to be able to you know take configuration files and dynamically populate platforms like netbox could be extended to automatically populate yaml files and so on and that happens to use you know diff sync which is going to provide that lower level functionality to be able to diff and and or sync data and then finally which we mentioned first is this um is this plugin to expose metrics, right? To be able to expose, you know, you want to you want to get your data into 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 Netbox and be able to run a report, check the hygiene of the data. And you can now expose that, even even graph that in Grafana, which is um, which is pretty uh, pretty awesome. So, you know, Damien, this has been a you know it's been a great conversation. O always is talking about data, source of truth, and and so I guess one last question for you is that, you know if you could provide any any advice for those that are that are just starting out, you know, thinking about source of truth and, and data management for network automation. You know, what would be, you know, what would be the main thing you want to let them know? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's that's a really good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gordon, listen, I'll say uh, no. It's uh, it's a journey. You know, we're definitely you know we're in. Um, I think still trying to figure out the perfect solution in our industry. We're not. I expect things to keep, you know, evolving. Uh, and I'll say, yeah, join the discussion, join like Network to Code Slack channel. There's definitely a lot of people that are, you know, coming there and trying to get some uh, some help in that. So, um, yeah, reach out for for help and um, be curious. Yep. Yeah, first first and foremost, you know, I would say one concrete piece. Of Concrete advice would be document, right? Just document as much as possible, and it's gonna, it's gonna make you start to think about, you know, the desired state or the intended state, even if it's just inventory. Great, great place to get started. Absolutely. All right, Damien. Once again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.